0: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the CoinPress podcast. I'm Luke Willis. Today I'm joined by Chad Hahn, VP of Paraveda Solutions. Welcome, Chad. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks, Luke. Glad to have you. So uh, Paraveda, you are a consultant for a variety of different companies and in different industries. Um, I used to work there. This was my <laughs> my job out of college and spent a number of years in consulting, but never had the pleasure of working with you. As we we're in different offices, I was up in Seattle. You're in LA. Is that right? That's correct. All right. So, so tell me a little bit about what you do at Paraveda, and we'll get to the Web three stuff.
1: Sure, sure. Quick background: I am a vice president in our Los Angeles office at Paraveda. I've been a consultant more or less my entire career, which has uh, been about 25 years now. I'd say, unfortunately, because that's a long time. <laughs> That's not I'm feeling a little old, um, but at Pari Beta, we provide really a full suite of consulting services. I'd say we skew heavily, as you probably remember, uh, on the technology side, both strategy and execution, but the firm's calling cards, really technology execution for very complex, fuzzy problems. In addition to that, we've grown into uh, more management consulting services as well. So that's a little bit about the firm and a little bit about my
0: role there. Very good. Yeah. And you're working with traditional companies, right? A lot of uh, you know web services, obviously, because it's technology, some mobile, some websites, a lot of cloud services, that kind of thing. Um, But at least while I was there, there wasn't a whole lot going on with blockchain. And the technology was fairly new and not a whole lot of people were building on it, um, especially not at established companies, but there's this, you know, blockchain starting to enter the the public psyche. I know fortune 500 companies all over the place are looking at it. Um, I'm curious what you've done to date for your clients with blockchain, uh, any advisory work you've done there. And, you know, if it's not much, what's your background coming from, uh, from blockchain?
1: Yeah, so uh, you're right in that part works mostly with uh, enterprise organizations that would probably be considered more traditional. Uh, we do work with some SMBs and, and startups, but primarily we're working with large organizations on whatever transformation they have going on at that point in time. Um, and so because of that uh, and because our organization, the, our clients generally fall into the um, traditional enterprise space, uh, blockchain for the enterprise, as, as you probably know, hasn't really taken root like, uh, certainly like I thought it would. Yeah. Uh, this is probably a good place to back up and give you my background with when I fell down the rabbit hole, as they say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this was uh, late 2016. At a previous firm, I was looking at emerging technologies to decide, okay, well, what's, what's going to happen over the course of the next... Three to five years, and you know, of course, we looked at machine learning, we looked at IoT, we looked at robotics, we looked at AR, VR, um, and we also looked at blockchain. And the more I got into it, because because like most people, um, when they go down the rabbit hole, they hear about you know, they heard about Bitcoin, dismissed it, you know, yeah. got a little bit more information, and then started to understand the potential. Um, I did something similar, but I was never interested in. Uh, the token or crypto side of it. I was always Mm -hmm. interested in the underlying technology and wanted to know how that technology might benefit uh, firms uh, that we were advising. Uh, It was interesting because as I got deeper into blockchain, I started to realize the importance of tokens and crypto uh, to the whole ecosystem to the point where it felt like it was really uh, inseparable. And that's what really got me um, focused on at that point, uh, looking into various tokens and and crypto investments at first as a way to just learn about the ecosystem. Sure. Um, But but further and further understanding how you can't really separate the blockchain technology from the various tokens that provide various utilities or serve various purposes. So that's how I got involved with it. And I kept saying back in even, I think 2017 was really frothy during the ICO craze. But after the crypto winter started in 2018, I kept thinking, you know, what's going to emerge from this is uh, blockchain for the enterprise. At some point, enterprises will um, start to notice it. Uh, And what was interesting uh, during 2018 is I think you started to get the very first cracks of institutions looking at investment options, hmm. mostly at Bitcoin, you know, inflation hedge, that sort of thing. I mean, yeah, it was very early days because inflation wasn't as big of a deal uh, in 2018, obviously. But what always struck me is uh, enterprises, it never, things never seem to catch on with the enterprise. It's not that they didn't know, because back in 2017, 2018, so many companies were experimenting with, you know, the R3 quarters, the consortiums, the Hyperledger fabric. Um, but I kept thinking, oh, okay, we're a year or two away from large-scale blockchain adoption. That, that still hasn't really happened in the enterprise, in, in my opinion, or certainly not in my experience. Um, so in terms of what we've done as an organization, I'd say part of ADA as a consulting company is still relatively new to the blockchain space, not in our understanding of what the technology can do, but just in the number of reps we've had with clients uh, who want to look at building solutions on top of web three or on top of blockchain technology.
0: Sure. Okay. Very good. Um, so for, for your day to day, I'm sure you're involved in a lot more than just the blockchain side of this. Um, do you, you know, how much of your time are you spending talking to companies about uh, blockchain, uh, either at the integration with their existing services versus just, you know, kind of the, the traditional web two stuff.
1: Uh, quite a lot actually. So, really? you know, if you were to look at Parvata Services, you know, it, it you could probably split the technology execution into app dev as one category, data and analytics as another category, cloud as a third category, and emerging tech, mostly machine learning, AI-related solutions as a, as a fourth category. And what's been interesting is uh, the blockchain discussions have have cut across all of those uh, layers. Um, most of the conversations that we have are quite, quite frankly still uh, at the C-suite and board level around education about what blockchain is and isn't. So you can imagine, you know, uh, board of directors, members, uh, CIOs, CTOs, CEOs, COs, they still have a very, uh, in my experience, a fairly limited understanding of blockchain technology so a lot of our conversations are blockchain 101 sure. know, what what's the true power behind it which we always advise them around decentralization i mean that's the real that's the real key um, and of course there's all the benefits uh, around that um, and as we have these discussions we often will bring up uh, use cases in their industry where there might be possibilities to leverage blockchain technology because it's not as if these organizations have never heard of it or maybe in some cases have even um, experimented with it. But it's been on a small scale. It's been limited. It's been kind of in the lab, so to speak. And so we try to talk to them about what's practical uh, with blockchain technology right now. Um, and we've had quite a few of those conversations to the degree that that you know at some point these organizations will do more than just dip their toes in the water but you know there i think everybody's still waiting for the tipping point in every industry except for perhaps finance um sure uh and when that happens you'll i think you'll start to see a lot more adoption
0: yeah i think that's a really good point um so i have a couple questions out of that number one uh when you are educating the C-suite for various companies about blockchain. What are some of the typical questions or concerns that you get? Repeating patterns.
1: Yeah, well, in the enterprise space, it's, it's always around privacy and security. So, sure. you know, we're often talking to traditional enterprises about use cases that probably fall more in the consortium blockchain space um, mm-hmm. or permission blockchain space. And so, of course, the big question, because the the real benefit of that becomes transparency of the immutable data, uh, auditability, that sort of thing. And of course, the question is, well, can everybody see all the data? We, you know, of course, the answer is no, and you can you can set parameters around that. Um, so that's a big that's a big piece of it, I think. And there's there's an initial hesitation. There's also, I think, a general lack of understanding around what public blockchain what what service public blockchains provide and we often will spend some time just talking about the proliferation of layer one protocols um, and what use cases exist out there and really how all of the investments have gone into the infrastructure uh, and development of dApps and solutions on top of these public blockchains and that's probably another reason why blockchain and the enterprise hasn't really um taking off because a lot of attentions rightfully i think being placed in the public blockchain space where a lot of that huge disruption is is likely
0: to occur sure interesting so then another thing you said was around the the practicality of blockchain right now for their use cases um i have a perspective on like what does an accessible DAP look like and enabling it for users? Is that what you're talking about? Or is this more about like the limitations of um, the technology or something?
1: Well, certainly some of it's just general user experience for mm-hmm. a Dapp versus traditional application. But I think the conversations we have are, are broader. And and that is that, you know, if you're traditional enterprise, You've probably built your success to some degree on being an intermediary or some degree of centralization. Sure. <laughs> and so there's this, you know, part of it, the way I was talking about polarities. There's this polarity between uh, your enterprise's success being in an older model and and the real value proposition of blockchain, you know, especially around decentralization. So you know, if, if your visa <laughs> you know, of course, you're heavily involved in blockchain. But in a sense, that technology could eliminate your existence, you know, taken to its extreme. So if you think about the other enterprises, you know, part of what's pragmatic is to say, Okay, well, what aspect of your use cases would blockchain serve, particularly around not linking into, let's say, a public blockchain, although there's plenty of options for that. But, but what, What makes sense for you to work more closely with your ecosystem of partners, customers and others, and maybe a more permissioned way to let you extract some value out of that, you know, transparency, immutability, security, shared understanding on the blockchain, that sort of thing. Right. so That's really where it's gone.
0: Cool. Yeah. Cut out some middlemen and save some costs and coordinate people more efficiently and all that. Good. Um, so you, you're as someone who's gone down the rabbit hole, I'm sure you're fully aware there's a, a cultural uh, divide, I'd say, between traditional business and traditional finance and traditional anything and, and Web3, um, where people who are involved with blockchain are in a lot of ways, not everybody, obviously, but a lot of ways hostile toward uh, <laughs> anybody who's doing traditional consulting or traditional if you have a linkedin page then you must be (laughs) old world or whatever the the phraseology would be for that um i'm curious as somebody who kind of dances that line what, what your your experience is um being on both sides of it
1: well it's interesting in that i haven't gotten a lot of that hardcore intransigence on on either side uh and and i suppose i might just have been lucky so far but uh by and large the more traditionalists are that i that i work with and talk to are curious about blockchain and the more web three sort of new cultural folks um don't seem to be so vitriolic around what they would consider the the old school You know it i think where where that dissection becomes interesting is in the concept of governance so where i've seen a big shift um in thinking it's been less about the core of the technology and more around the way we all govern ourselves and to be to be fair i don't think blockchain brought about that um shift in thinking i think blockchain just accelerated it so Uh, I had a former mentor, a guy named Rod Collins, he was the director of innovation at a former firm of mine, who talked a lot about how we need to embrace networks over hierarchies. And his um, perspective, which I share and and have extended is that, you know, the pace of change in the world is just so great that it's hard for one or two or a few people at the top of a hierarchy to absorb all that change and make the best decisions. And what we really need to have is less command and control and more emergence of, of ideas through collective intelligence. Because if you get enough people looking at a problem, what was Linus's law, like with enough eyeballs, all bugs are shallow or something like that? Right. That, that you know, that that's a better model in, in a in a world where change is just so much more rapid. And so if you think about it, the proliferation of DAOs and decentralized governance structures really lends itself well to a more networked model yeah and so i, I think some of the the cult, the cultural shift is more about the way we govern ourselves and less about you know there's a web three way from a technology standpoint versus a kind of a web two way now certainly you know in many ways i guess the web three came up um or web three got popular popularized by those who said look we can't have a handful of large centralized organizations owning on all of our data and all that sort of Facebook, Google type stuff. But by and large, I've seen it as a, a coordination shift. Like, how do we coordinate together as people? And that is particularly interesting to me. I think there's going to be some real innovation in that space um, over the next few years, especially this year, where you know, in some respects, it could be considered the year of the Dow. Sure. Um, I just think there's some really exciting things that are going to happen there. I no, no predictions. It's just, you know, some change is coming.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I know Paravata has played around with a few different organizational structures internally and I'm sure advised different companies as well on, on that sort of thing. Um, I am curious to see what from the kind of the web three bleeding edge of, uh, human coordination at scale in DAOs will carry over to traditional organizations. And obviously it'll be a slow trickle for a lot, but um, yeah, I think it'll be really interesting to see some adoption of that and a little bit more decentralization of decision-making within companies. So mm-hmm. interesting stuff. Um, so looking at crypto, blockchain, all the technology here, what's your take on the impact that that is having right now on on existing companies who are either gung-ho or slow to adapt um and what do you think is going to happen what's your prediction for the impact that this technology is going to have on the large incumbent players who who aren't adapting and who are going to choose to forgo this revolution?
1: Yeah, I'd say if I were to look out at the various industries, obviously um, Web3 and blockchain technologies is having the most disruptive impact on finance just through DeFi um, and the ability to access all the various services, you know, hedging risk through derivatives, Lending and borrowing, you know, the, the the list goes on and on in a more decentralized way versus going through more traditional centralized organizations, um, and so those organizations are, are starting to feel it. I mean, I'm I'm reminded of you know uh, trade settlements when buying and selling securities. Um, you know, blockchain technology is a far superior approach yeah. <laughs> with near yeah. instant, real time settlement than what we have today um and you know i think about organizations like dtcc and of course they're you know they're also touching blockchain and i always think it's interesting dtcc mastercard visa all these organizations that are really threatened by this technology kind of working to um adopt it in certain ways so that they can remain relevant And, and i think they'll they'll succeed to a certain degree but there will be large disruptions so that some might go the way of, of Blockbuster. Um, it's sure. interesting, though, outside of finance, the jury's still out on how large traditional incumbent players, I think, will be um, affected by the growth of blockchain technology. Uh, I, there certainly will be you know, any organization that is a true intermediary. I think that this is an existential threat, and you may want to think about, you know, the way your, you know, the, your your core focused business model. Um, I remember reading an article about, I think it was Kickstarter mm-hmm. that is moving into a DAO from a centralized organization, and and you wouldn't necessarily think of Kickstarter as being like threatened existentially by blockchain, but think about the ways that blockchain protocols are raising money. Right. That's very much a direct threat to a Kickstarter. So right. I, I kind of like their approach, which is let's join them. <laughs> Since <laughs> right. we probably over the long term, uh, can't beat them. And then there'll be an interesting case study in moving from a centralized organization to one that's more DAO-focused or, or, or decentralized. Right. I, if I were to make a prediction about other industries, You know, there's certain use cases, especially enterprise use cases that 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 everybody talks about supply chain use cases are are always brought about. There are going to be some large uh, supply chain protocols that uh, become very successful and have a lot of traction. And that doesn't mean that the organizations that are involved in that supply chain are going to go away. I think in some respects, blockchain technology is going to make organizations more efficient. So I could see a world where um, in various industries or part of the organization or the enterprise's IT infrastructure is connected to various blockchain protocols for for various needs. So, uh, you know, to what degree some of these companies will be put out of business or will be much smaller or less relevant versus just participating in the ecosystem. Who knows? I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but (laughs) I can I can definitely see uh, every organization. I have this sense of a future where every organization has part of their infrastructure, their IT infrastructure, connected to uh, blockchain technology or blockchain protocols um, to create more overall efficiency and transparency um, in whatever it is that they do. Yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, I think it's it's important that w- when you're working with blockchain, you shouldn't put everything on chain. Like, there's a ton of stuff, like, you know, if you're YouTube, storing your videos on chain would be hellaciously expensive. So there's things like that that make it so existing companies can start to think about moving specific parts of their business onto blockchain and still be like well in the running for the future right um because like when you look at the the accessibility of web 3 versus web 2 the vast majority of people still have no idea how blockchain works or why they should use it or what it's for and all that so there's this divide of people who have really put in the time to educate themselves and understand and people who are still skeptical on the outside and that's a large wall. It costs money to get over the wall. And so um, having having companies, whether you're approaching it from the Web2 side or the Web3 side, that are addressing that wall is really important. So you need to have kind of traditional Web2 on-ramps, you know, supporting a credit card, not exposing your users to the idea of tokens, but still giving them decentralization um and those sort of things will help with the perception and now it's not just you know a bunch of ponzi schemes
1: (laughs) running Mm -hmm. around on the
0: the internet so um so yeah i think that's that's important and the the companies on the web2 side that understand that are going to be the ones that succeed in bridging the gap they'll they'll find a place so yeah i agree um so I am curious for your, you know, inside of Parvata, you're you're kind of the blockchain guy, from what I understand, and you you run some some groups helping uh, newer people in the company and various people at various levels understand the technology and and kind of get in on the the general perspective and help out clients. Um, how has that gone in terms of? Educating, I mean, especially the the newer people. I imagine there's excitement about the technology among the, the younger cohorts.
1: Yeah, it's it's actually been it's gone really well. So, uh, as you know, because you came and spoke at one of our uh, monthly meetings, we we began a more formalized, we created a more formalized circle, and and you know, you you know that in Parivada we uh, use holocracy. And right. so we formed a, a circle uh, to um, really try and aggregate all of the pockets of activity that were happening happening around blockchain technology. Because we had pockets of the organization that were really interested in crypto and investing, some pockets that were interested in the underlying technology and the protocols, some that were interested in the you know, all the general implications of web three. So we mm-hmm. brought those groups together and you know e- this is a voluntary monthly meeting plus activities on the side, and so you know because it's voluntary, you never know what kind of interest you're going to get. I think the first meeting we had there was uh, 49, 50 people. Oh. out know, of an organization of 750, uh, so there was quite a lot of interest, and and that interest has been uh, sustained over the uh, over the course of the first you know four or five months of the year, um, and and the interest is I think. Could be generally summarized as we know something big is happening here, mm-hmm. and for a lot of the, the folks that are um, on these calls or are part of this group, they they have a, a deep technical understanding of blockchain. You know, a lot of them have um, educated themselves on you know developing smart contracts in Solidity or looking at various layer two protocols or maybe looking at Solana or some other you know some of the more well known uh, layer ones. Uh, and built some smart contracts. And then you have uh, some folks uh, like like I would probably fall into this category, which has a, a deep understanding of blockchain. You know, I, I took a, a Solidity course, but I probably couldn't sit down and write a smart contract to save my life. Sure, uh, There's a lot of pockets of knowledge. Uh, and we're coming together to talk about what's happening in the industry, right? What's happening in space, uh, what kind of conversations we're having with our clients. And how we might advise them. And we're also working on POCs as well. So, you know, part of it is eating its own dog food to a certain degree by experimenting with tokens to be used internally. You know, cool. so should we should we do some governance using these tokens? How could um, a, a DAO-like principles be combined with holocracy uh, and enable maybe more network model or I say not more network models, but but a, a greater flattening of our network, uh, yeah. so that decisions continue decision making continues to get diffused. So you know, how do we incentivize through gamification, and and how would um, you know tokens work uh, for that purpose? So we're doing a lot of experiments as well, um, particularly on the governance side, while we have these deeper conversations about what we're talking about with clients and. You know where the soul may go yeah Um, so there's a lot of interest there um and these these group meetings are well attended
0: very cool um you mentioned holacracy a couple times why don't we (laughs) run down that path because i i doubt most people listening really know what that is um so I'll, i'll give my 30 second remembrance of of what it is but basically it's an alternative organizational structure where instead of like a traditional hierarchy you organize people into circles and you can have different roles inside of as many circles as you want. So you're not directly tied into, you know, this is your boss and that's their boss and so on. Um, it's just the different roles and responsibilities you take on within various areas, um, which feels closer to decentralization. Um, do you think that's, well, for one, do you think that's an accurate representation of holacracy? and what's your take on Is it i mean i don't think it's truly decentralized but it feels in the middle
1: yeah so that's a good description so holacracy is a governing model that puts power into a process as opposed to into the hands of specific individuals mm. and so like you like you mentioned uh a holocratic organization is essentially a series of circles and sometimes circles within circles. Uh, and each circle, I guess you could loosely think of it as a department if you wanted to try to think of it in a more traditional sense. Uh, and each circle has a leader of that circle, but the leader doesn't set the agenda for that circle. and doesn't exert, the only power that the leader exerts over the circle is in uh, assigning people to specific roles. Now the roles, as you probably remember, are defined by a governance process that mm-hmm. everybody in the circle participates in. So it's kind of like uh, having a constitution, right? And there is truly right. really a whole constitution. And over time, through governance, uh, the nature of the roles and responsibilities within that circle shifts and changes as the organization adapts and the leader of the circle really is just responsible for filling people into those roles, um, and then there are certain roles that are elected by the entire group. So it's very flat in that in that regard, um, and definitely has qualities of decentralization. And as you can attest, to it's Parve is a unique organization. So yep. although we advise a lot of traditional companies, there's really nothing traditional about Parveda, um, Starting with its mission, I mean, obviously to develop people at their fullest potential that's, you know, most, most organizations are driven primarily by, by profit. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I think there was a recognition early on in uh, our adoption of holacracy that it would be a unique way to help develop people. um, Yeah. By allowing the definition of roles to be diffused amongst the broader group and then have people fill those roles in order to, in order to grow. So it's, it's definitely on uh, the further down the spectrum of, of being decentralized um there's there's still some degree of hierarchy in the organization although it's it's fairly limited you, know, you yeah. can imagine as a consultancy there's you know our, our organizations are different than others in terms of having you know five or six levels um but the compensation at each level is driven by the responsibilities of that level which are in part driven by holacracy um, yeah. so it's a very different, it's a very different model than from a traditional company. And, you know, as I'm describing it, um, I think any of the listeners could get a sense for how there would be ties into, you know, DAOs or decentralized governance uh, into whole opposite.
0: Very cool. Yeah. I think um, coming from a traditional <laughs> company background, when, as I was there, when, Holacracy was first instituted at Paraveda, it carried kind of this um, stigma, I'd say, among people who didn't really understand it. And it was just this change. And what does this actually mean for my job? And, um, you know, any change is always met with a little bit of skepticism. Um, But I mean, a few years in now, do you feel like it's been a, a positive change that's really actually contributed to that? that goal of developing people?
1: I do. Now, of course, when I joined, I joined a, a couple of years ago, a little over two years ago. So Holacracy was pretty well established. Sure. Um, and I've seen the adoption and maturation mm-hmm. of Holacracy and the organization grow during that time, but it was it was pretty well established. So I wasn't here when it was first introduced. And Maybe there was some resistance to change, but as you were talking about that, Luke, it reminded me uh, of the the broader uh, yeah. blockchain ecosystem and how you know there's always there's always a behavior change and a change management aspect to large tech technology shifts. Yeah, and what might happen. And so certainly, when we think about um, the enterprise organizations we work with, there are going to be some executives, leaders within those organizations that will always look at blockchain with skepticism. They'll say things like, you know, Bitcoin's a joke, you know, they might, you know, maybe they follow what Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett have to say about Bitcoin. And, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, look there, you know, blockchain is Bitcoin, right? It's probably Mistake number one. And then they'll say, you know, and Bitcoin is useless or worthless. And so I'm not going to spend my time thinking, you know, they won't go any deeper. Right. and that's just uh institutionalized thinking and and to, uh, to be honest with you i don't even i have no problem with that because that's just human nature some people right. are more right. skeptical than others so the adoption of blockchain and the growth uh and maturation of this whole sector in many ways is going to be a behavior change effort probably more so than than anything else. Just in the same way that Paraveda had to deal with skepticism and behavior change when it was adopting holacracy. Um, so it'll be fits and starts for some folks, others will be very open to it. You know, the, the degree to which we create the space for that change to take place and kind of meet people where they are, and bring them over, yeah. uh, is it's probably what's gonna help us Allow organizations and allow people to understand and and uh, take advantage of the benefits of this technology. So when I'm, you know, meeting with, you know, executives who express skepticism about blockchain, um, it doesn't frustrate me. It doesn't bother me. Um, we, you know, I understand and accept that, and we we talk about what, um, where where it might play a a role in their organization in the future. And sometimes that means look, let's talk a year from now or six months sure. from now. And, you know, the dynamics may be a little different. Uh, then there's others we talk to that say, you know, if I could start a large initiative tomorrow, I, I would. Right. Um, so it's it, it's whole spectrum and <laughs> it's going to take people a while. But, it, you know, like I said, at some point, there's going to be a tipping point in understanding in the broad enterprise space of where blockchain technology makes sense and Mm -hmm. when that happens we will certainly be ready to have those conversations as will other organizations that uh, help large companies solve problems um, because there'll just be a very large demand for support and
0: understanding what's possible and then making it happen very good yeah i mean that's exactly what you have to do with people because they're people right it's uh I think there's too much of a, a a culture of, within Web3, people saying, you know, if you're not already on board, you're just not going to make it. And it's not very inclusive of kind of human nature. <laughs> so um, having having people like yourself who, who care to actually take the time and be patient and explain um, is really important. And that's what we need in order for blockchain to be more publicly accepted right because the perception right now is very much it's a closed door club and it costs money to get in and everybody's crazy here and everything's too expensive why would you spend money when i can just right click and save that picture and <laughs> all that right so yeah, yeah. it's interesting
1: <laughs> yeah and you you know <laughs> I'd say the, the 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 people that have grown up in Web3, right? You know, maybe they just graduated university or when they started coding, they've only really coded in Web3. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, their frustrations or trolling of the more traditionalist, you know, reminds me of I came up during the, the growth of the World Wide Web. And yeah. those of us who had never written a you know two-tier uh, application that you know runs on windows and had only built web applications you know had a similar sentiment right <laughs> and so it you know it this is not new right this is also human <laughs> nature it's like the, the people that are on the new and cutting edge you look at the rest of the folks and say yeah they just don't get it and they never will like right. you know my my board ape is better you know <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing but i think both sides uh have to realize that this cycle has occurred many times over the course of history something new happens and those that embrace the new look at those that embrace the old with disdain those that you know embrace the old look at those that embrace the new and say you don't know what you're talking about um but you know the, the truth is uh that both sides probably have uh, some degree of openness that they need to, you know, embrace. Um, mm-hmm. And when that, and certainly, when that happens with with blockchain, uh, everybody's going to benefit, right? So for those that are believers in blockchain and only blockchain or Web three and only Web three, you know, the more people that you get on board, the greater the value of the overall ecosystem. And for the traditionalists, it, you know, technologies change and create new opportunities blockchain is pretty paradigm shifting right? Um, and at at some point you're going to have to get on board just how long is it going to take you at least that's my opinion
0: yeah no i i completely agree Um, i think the i'm actually i'm curious what your take is on um that that idea of just companies and people that are not going to make it and they're going to miss out um because as the the asset class of tokens and nfts and whatever get more expensive um, a lot of the public chains will price new entrants out Uh, so i'm curious you know existing companies have a lot of money to throw around but the longer they wait the more expensive things get and the more of their stockpile it'll cost to to enter into one of these, uh, like if you know if they wanted to build on Ethereum today at the right time, it would be very expensive. Um so yeah, I, I guess I'm curious, is there a timing aspect here that matters or are, are these private and permissioned and just new L1s kind of the way to to make that accessible for the long term?
1: Uh I guess I think about it a little differently in that, sure. you know, there's a there's um Sort of the notion of missing the, the boat, especially if you think about crypto as an asset class. Uh, you know, it, <laughs> if you bought Bitcoin, ETH, you, know, you bought Bitcoin in 2012, sure. ETH in, I don't know, 2016 or something like that. Despite all the gyrations, you know, your wealth has grown considerably. And it's not just you as an individual investor. The organizations, the foundations that hold treasuries of these tokens, has grown immensely. I mean, yeah. I think about, like, I think about it Joe Lubin, and I, you know, I read uh, the Cryptopians, and so, and I've got to say, it really sounds like after reading that book, Ethereum succeeded in spite of those yeah. around it, yeah. as opposed to uh, because of those around it. But you think about how he leveraged uh, his uh, holdings in ETH to essentially fund consensus, right? Right. And I thought to myself, man, if the if the ETH value ever dropped precipitously, you know, he'd be in a lot of trouble. Well, it's, you know, it's done the opposite, despite the pullback, you know, right. recently in in 2022. So think about how far these 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 folks can fund things, right? I just and it's a tremendous wealth that's been um, gained by certain individuals, foundations, holders of these tokens. And I, and I start to think, too, OK, well, as uh, more and more noobs, I think this is Web3 folks call them, um, <laughs> you know, go to Coinbase and buy their first, to- first tokens and stuff like that. You know, how much more upside is there? I know we hear about the Bitcoin hundred thousand or a million and stuff like that. Yeah. It's still unclear. Right. Especially something like Bitcoin, which is likely to just be digital gold. Uh, mm-hmm. in its existence um you know it's it's does it fluctuate like gold or because it doesn't have any intrinsic utility like a bar of gold does it is it just more susceptible to the whims of supply and demand I, you know that all needs to play out but what what i think is definitely true is crypto is an asset class that's here to stay there's too many institutional investors and, and too many people in, involved for mm-hmm. it to go down to zero i don't right. know where it's going to be but kind of the original question, I think there's there's less obviously less upside from here on out, mm-hmm. one would think, than there has been from its genesis to now. I could be wrong, no crystal ball. But kind of to your question of well, you know, have have organizations missed the boat, or you know, how are they going to get involved if they haven't gotten involved to today? Uh, I think for an organization. You know let's take a let's take a micro strategy right they got involved by putting part of their treasury into bitcoin that's fine but if you think about the other parts of their business i imagine their involvement will be less around taking advantage of the value creation of the asset class and more in plugging their systems into the networks uh, and then allowing you know like i said lower lower overall cost of their transactions not and i'm not thinking like gas fees i'm just thinking the number of steps it takes for an organization the process of transactions um the ability to take advantage of the transparency and immutability you know those sorts of things i don't think that there's uh any you know th- an organization will be able to take uh, take advantage of that and benefit from that no matter when they start their journey Right. In fact, yeah. those that start their journey later, probably uh, get the benefit of uh, a more mature environment and ecosystem. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking like developer tools, infrastructure, yeah. uh, stuff like that. Um, so so that, I, that benefit can happen at any point. But in terms of the asset class and the, the value creation of the token, certainly the earlier you got in, the better. Sure. And I, it makes you wonder, like, how much higher can it go? Right. Yeah. I mean, what? Yeah. Bitcoin topped out at around 60, 65,000, somewhere in there. And it's hovering around 40,000 and has for a while. And it's funny because, you know, we think of that as a small gyration. If you were to think about that in the public markets, I mean, that's a deep bear market for uh, equities. Right. Right. Um, So how much more upside is there really? I don't know. My my guess is there's still. Pretty large upside because there's still a tremendous amount of people and uh, investment that can still come into the the ecosystem. Yeah, but where it lands, you know, somebody smarter than me is gonna have to figure that
0: one out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I I feel the same way. So, well, very good, Chad. I really appreciate you coming on. I uh, your perspective is awesome. I I like what you're doing at Paraveda. I'm excited to see. Uh, what comes out of your engagements with clients. And yeah, I hope to keep in touch and learn more about what you're doing.
1: Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And uh, you're welcome to any of our circle meetings, Luke. Um, <laughs> you know, once a fan, always a fan, so to speak, <laughs> in terms of in terms of part of Ada. So I, I appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, I don't know, because you're, you're deep in the, the company, but is there a social or or places that we can find you and Paraveda? Uh,
1: yeah, you, you know, Paraveda's Twitter feed and LinkedIn feeds active. Sorry, all you Web3 folks that hate LinkedIn and, and want a <laughs> decentralized version of it. Uh, certainly you can find me on Medium, uh, okay. as well as on Twitter chat initial is a, Han, a um, in both places. Uh, And that's usually where I do a lot of my thought
0: pieces and updates. Excellent. All right. I'll put links to those down in the description. Well, that's all the time we have. So thank you so much, Chad. This was great.
1: Yeah, Luke. Have a great, uh, great week.
0: You too. All right. Join me next week for the CoinPress podcast. Bye for now.